We are wrapping up a series today that is uh, my favorite series of the year uh, for many reasons. We call it Survey Says, and it's my favorite series because I didn't pick it. Uh, you, you got to pick this series. And so every Easter, if you've been to one of our Easter services before, uh, we have a survey that we, that we hand out. And on that survey, there's questions. And one of the questions is, if there's any topic in the Bible, uh, wh- what would you like to hear taught on? And it doesn't even have to be in the Bible, any topic at all. And, uh, and so today, I'm going to just go ahead and be a little transparent. I actually put this topic down because uh, I need help, in it. Uh, and it was parenting. I did parenting or in, in our UFOs reels. So that was my two, my two big, 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 <laughs> but, but, uh, but uh, parenting. And so we're going to talk about parenting for a little bit today. And, and I think, you know, if you, if you haven't been here over the last couple of weeks, we've covered some pretty amazing topics. One of them was anxiety. And I thought, man, that, that's a really good topic. That's on the, the survey every year. Uh, last week, we talked about col- uh, reaching culture. A lot of questions like, you know, watching culture, how it seems like it's drifting away. Um, and so what is the church's responsibility in reaching culture? And how do we, how do we reach the culture? And that was last week. And, um, and so today, we're, we're going to talk about parenting. And before you check out and say, well, I don't have any kids. How many of you do have kids in here? Raise your hand. Okay. How many of you know somebody that has, that has, parent, or has kids? Raise your hand, all right. And how many of you had parents? Okay, all right. So everybody in here, you, you should get something out of this, uh, out, out of this, this, uh, this message this morning. And just one thing I want to give you before we jump straight in. There's a really awesome book that a family in our church um, gave me a few years ago, and uh, I wanted to make it available to you. It's called Loving Our Kids on Purpose. We have about a dozen of those available, and they're, they're yours. Take them on the way out. Um, it's written by a guy named Danny Silk, who's the family pastor at Bethel Church in Reading. Uh, it's a great book, but take that with you. We also have a little one-page resource um, that our children's pastor, or our youth pastor put together. It's got some resources on there, some podcasts, different links, things like that. Um, those are for you as you, as you take off this morning. Uh, and, and so before we jump in and, and read, our, read our verses in Scripture this morning, I want to say this, and I, I think if you're a parent here, you'd probably agree with me. The hardest thing I've ever done in my life is parenting. <laughs> There's nothing easy about parenting. And, and, you know, when I first, when we, Caitlin first got pregnant and we were, you know, getting ready to, to receive this, uh, this new child into our life, I was really scared. This is quite honestly, I, I had no idea what I was going to do. Um, you know, when we took Asa home, honestly, I didn't, like, when they gave us our son in the hospital, I thought, we, I think we should stay a few more days. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, I, like, I don't know. I don't, I mean, how are we going to keep this thing alive at the house? You know, we got all these people coming in the room, like every hour checking on him, you know, doing all kinds of stuff. And, and I'm like, I don't, I was intimidated for him, honestly. And it was scary. And so I read, you know, I read some books. I asked people, I asked them, you know, what would you have a book recommendation? And somebody recommended me this book that I didn't read. Um, and, and uh, it was by this, this, this guy's got like more PhDs than a thermometer. And uh, I, I looked at the back of the book and I Googled the guy and I thought, okay, let me, let me see like, you know, what this dude's about. And I, and I read and I found out that he had no children. And, the, and so I want to just say that right out of the gate. I think there's a lot of people that have a lot to say about parenting. You've probably seen them at restaurants and on planes. Oh, I'd never let my kid act like that. Really? I wouldn't give my kid a phone. Do you know what that's doing to their brain? 
Well, I wouldn't say things like, well, just do it because I told you so. I'm the boss. Well, first off, I think if you don't have kids, you really don't have a clue. And so this guy that wrote this book on parenting that never had any kids, I didn't read it. I said, don't, don't give me advice on parenting till you get in, in the arena with me, right? Come on, somebody. Like, if you haven't been in it and through it, and, and the thing about children I'm, I'm seeing is that they're all different. And so there is no, I don't think there's just a, a right way or a wrong way because every child is different and every child is unique. And so what I love about the Bible is there's a lot in there about parenting. There's a lot in there about children and, and, and how, to, how to raise children, how to, how to be the best parents that we can be. And I would say, number one, I just want you to feel like you have a lot of grace if you're a parent in here this morning. That I, I'm just so glad that God is, is merciful. And he's, and he's grace-filled. And that he's, he's, not, he's not just sitting waiting on his kids, me and you, right, to act up so he can run in and discipline us. But I think God parents from a heart of love, right? I mean, the new, we, we, we hear that God described that God is love. And, and so his, his number one priority is to, is to love his children. And I think as parents, I would say, you know, give yourself some grace. It's hard. <laughs> it's so hard. And I want to give you a verse. I think this verse captures like maybe God's parenting style, Ephesians 5. That how, does, how does God love his children? It says, watch what God does, and then you do it. Like children who learn proper behavior from their parents. Mostly what God does is he loves you. Keep company with him and learn a life of love. Observe how Christ loved us. His love was not cautious, but it was extravagant. He didn't love in order to get something from us, but to give everything of himself to us. So love like that. That's a good verse. I think that's a really good verse. And, and so I've, I've been trying to wrap my head around today on, on what to share because I am in the laboratory, y'all, and so I, 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 I'm always asking questions and trying to learn. You know, Asa put my son, he's six, and he's pushing the boundaries on a daily basis. And, and so I am by no means a master here. I am trying to just share out of what it, it, I'm experiencing now. And, and a few years in youth ministry, you know, I think that's helped some too. And uh, I, know, I know the teenage years, things change. And, uh, and so as they grow and they go through different stages, but I want to take us back to the first mention of parenting in the Bible. I think there's something valuable about the first mention. And so God's first children, and most of us know that story more than likely, but I want to look at it a little bit differently this morning. It's in Genesis 1. And so we know that when, when God you know, created the earth and all this great stuff that we get to enjoy, he created Adam. And one of the questions that I haven't been able to answer, would, was Adam a baby? Have you ever thought about that? Right? The first human, was he like a little baby? Or was he like, you know, adolescent years? I don't know. I, I'm thinking he was an adult because God gave him stuff to do right out of the gate when he created him. But I want to look at how God parented his first children. And there's, there's five specific things that God did for his first children, Adam and Eve. Five, five specific things. When we read Genesis 1, 2, and 3. After he created Adam and Eve, there were five primary things. And I think that there's some good stuff in that. And so Genesis 1, the first thing he did, he says he created mankind in his own image. 
In the image of God, he created them, male and female. And then God blessed them. And he said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over every living creature that moves on the ground. And so the first thing I, I see there, I feel like that God did when he created his children is he gave away some of his authority to them. It was his earth. It was his fish. It was his animals. It was his sea. He's the creator God. He creates. So, so here is the creator giving away his authority to his creation. And I think the easiest way for me to, to remember it is that God gave his children control. He gave them control over some things. And then by doing that, by, you know, because there's nobody who would, who would be able to rule the earth better than God, right? I mean, if you think about it, he's the cre it's his creation. Like nobody knows an Apple phone better than the guy who made the Apple phone. Well, I think it's the same way with the world we live in. God created this beautiful planet. He knows it better than, than anyone. But in that moment, when he, in Genesis 1, the first thing he does is he gives away some of his control and he gives it to his kids. Now, that's unique. He doesn't tell them how to dress. He doesn't tell them what to do. He just blesses them. He says, here's this beautiful planet. There's all this cool stuff. And you know what they did? They ran around like little hippies. They didn't wear clothes. You read your Bible, right? They were barefoot. They just ran around in the garden all day long, like eating fruit. They were the first hippies. Come on. I mean, think about it. Like they, 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 they know, we know they didn't have clothes. We know they just kind of sat around and had talks with God every day. Um, and, and, and they walked around in this beautiful paradise creation. It was like God just let them do whatever they wanted. They enjoyed it. They enjoyed being with God. To go back to that day, right? <laughs> and unfortunately, we're not in the garden anymore. But I think there's something to that. Like, like how, how focused should I be on controlling my kids as a parent? That's something I struggle with. Because I've said this. I've asked Asa to do something, my son, and he asked why. And I just said, because I said so. I'm the boss. You ever said that? Don't raise your hand. All right, it's okay, right? I, I don't know why. I'm just saying it because I'm the boss and you should do it, right? Because I'm in control here. This is my house. I pay these bills, right? You like a roof over your head, food in the, in the cupboard, in the fridge. Just do it. But God, he kind of took a different approach. He did, took a different approach. He gave them control. He gave them control over some things in paradise, in the garden, and he gave them control over themselves. He didn't dictate what they did or what they didn't do. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, New Testament, it says, God hasn't given us the spirit of fear. What has he given us? The spirit of power and love and self-control. And I think one of the greatest things that I can do as a parent that I'm trying to do is help my son figure out how to make decisions on his own to where I'm not making them for him, to give him responsibility, to give him control. We bought a dog. I could tell you some crazy stories right now about what has happened with our six-year-old and that dog. You know, so he doesn't have full control over the dog yet. But, but he, you know, he's, lear he's learning responsibilities. Isn't that the way God does it for us? He gives us responsibility. He gives us things that, that we can have control over. And what I'm finding in my life that's the hardest thing to do is not so much controlling 
my, my child, but controlling my emotions when it comes time for discipline. Right? Because I, I think a fast track to discouragement and anxiety and just, just a, a, a frustrating life is when we try to control somebody else. And unfortunately, the way God set it up is he set every person up. To, he gave away a part of his authority. He says, I'm giving you free will. You have the ability to choose. You came to church this morning. Nobody made you. Maybe they did. I don't know. <laughs> you can pick the job you want. You can pick where you want to work. You can pick where you want. You have all this freedom in your life. And so part of my responsibility as a parent is, is not so much to take control from my son, but to help him make the right decisions and to realize that there's responsibility and there's consequences for his actions. So he gave away some of his authority in the garden. God gave these hippies control, and they, they messed it up. We're going to get there. Uh, the, the second thing, okay, the second thing he does, I'm going to just read the verse first. It says that God commanded the man, you're free, you're free to eat of any tree in the garden, but you can't eat from this one tree, this tree of knowledge of good and evil. So God gives away control, he gives away part of his authority, and then he puts a choice in the garden. Think about that for a moment. Satan didn't put the tree in the garden. That's a bad tree, y'all. It caused a lot of problems. <laughs> we are still reaping the benefits of that decision, you know, thousands of years ago. I mean, that's a, that, that tree, I mean, I, 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 it's, re, it's kind of like, I've been thinking about this a lot, and it's confusing. Why didn't God, like, put some bodyguards around the tree? Or, or like, put the tree on a mountain where he knew they wouldn't go? Or, or put, put the tree, like, underwater? We still don't know, like, 80% of what's down there. Like, like, put it somewhere else to where Adam and Eve can't get to it. But you know what he did? You know where he put the tree? Right in the middle of the garden. And then not only did he do that, he made it, like, attractive to them. Now, the devil didn't do that. Now, couldn't he put some spikes on the fruit or make it just taste gross or like, you know, something to keep Adam and Eve away from the tree? But he didn't do that. He puts it right in the middle of the garden. He, he sticks it right there, and, and it's pleasing him for the eye. It tastes good. And he does that because I believe he wanted to offer his children choices. Because if you don't have a choice, there's no way to love somebody fully if you have no way to choose that. You can't legislate love. You can't force someone to love you. And that's a dictatorship. That's communism. That's evil. That's bad. And so God had to put a choice in the garden for his first kids because he wanted a love relationship and not a law relationship. He wanted them to choose him every day. He wanted him Adam and Eve to be in this relationship with them and so without the freedom to be able to choose this tree or not choose this tree they couldn't fully love God their father and so I'm seeing now with with my son without the freedom to choose if he's going to eat his vegetables or not or do his homework or not right without the freedom to be able to choose these things it, it becomes really hard for that love relationship to stay connected we're, we're in a struggle right now with homework. It's a struggle. Asa, or Sunday, he doesn't like doing homework. 
I didn't like doing homework. It's hard for me to try to make them do homework because I didn't like doing homework. You know, it's like, it's one of those things. Can't they get it all done at school? You know what I mean? They, they're, they're like eight hours a day. Can't we just wrap it all up? And, 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 um, and, and so a couple of days ago, you know, Kate, Caitlin and I are, you know, we're the tag team in the homework, the homework talk here. Uh, and he didn't want to do homework. And so finally, I just said, you know what? He said, it's cool. Don't, don't do your homework. But if you don't do your homework, you may have to stay in first grade another year. He said, what? <laughs> I said, no, don't worry about it. Just, just don't do it. Just take it. Just, just, it's cool. I'm not worried about it. You shouldn't be worried about it either. But there's a good chance if you don't do your homework. Actually, the teacher said if you don't do your homework, you're going to have to take the, the whole class over again. So he started, you know, I could see the little, you know, light bulbs going off in his head. You know, he did. He climbed up in that chair and he done his homework. And so what, I think what do we do as, as parents sometimes is we try really hard to eliminate the option for our kids to make poor choices. So we take them to, to like Christian schools. And those are awesome until they're not. Or we, you know, we want to pull them out of, of public school. I know there's a lot going on in the world right now, and I get it. If you, you're wanting to homeschool your kid because there's a lot, but... but we got to go back to the, the garden. we got to go back to the first kids. And God didn't do that with his children. He put this tree right in the middle. He knew what the consequences would be, but he still did it. And so why? I think it's because no matter what we do in life, or no matter what kind of bad decisions we make, or your children may make, God always has a plan to restore them. And I know some of you are probably going through a lot with your, with your kids right now. And it feels like every good decision you try to get them to make, they do the opposite. And you try to protect them and you try to get the right people around them. And, and you try to make sure that, you know, they're just not constantly, you know, exposed to bad things and bad choices. And, 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 but eventually they're going to make a bad decision. And eventually they're going to mess up. And I think God put that tree right in the middle because he had a plan from day one. Right? He, I think he knew what was going to happen. He knew Adam and Eve was going to gravitate to that tree. He knew it looked good. He knew it tasted good. And I think Revelation 13 says it like this. Before the foundation of the world, God had established this lamb that we know as Jesus to make a way. That sin entered into the world because of one person and it exited out of the world, right, because of one person. And so I want to encourage you, no matter what bad decisions that your kids may be making or may make in the future, God always has a, a plan. God always has a way out. God always has a path to restoration. Amen? So he gave them choices. He gave them choices. But here's, here's the kicker. 2.17, Genesis 2, we're kind of going through this story. He gave them some clear consequences. He says, if Adam and Eve, if you eat of this tree, it's in the middle of the garden, it's delicious, and it looks good. If you eat it, he says, you're going to certainly die. That's heavy. So he gives them control, he gives them choices, but then he makes these consequences very clear in their life. And I'm thinking when it, when it comes to raising children, and again, I am in the laboratory right now, rather than trying to, to be God for them and be the discipline, 
is help them understand the consequences of their actions, right? There's no stop in the rain. Have you ever heard that? It's going to come. People, I mean, they're going to make bad choices. Children, I mean, I made a lot of bad choices. I know my son is going to make a lot of bad choices. But I think the way God set this whole thing up is, is like you kind of reap what you sow in this life. And he tried to tell Adam and Eve it, out of a loving heart, hey, don't eat this tree. It's, it's going to be bad. <laughs> I mean, as, as, as lovingly and as clear as he could put it, the consequences were crystal clear. If you eat this tree, you're, you're certainly going to die. It's not going to be good. And I, I kind of feel like, you know, in some aspects, the justice of God is almost like the IRS. You know what I mean? We don't like them. We don't like it. Do you know what the IRS is? Okay, everybody, you should. They just added 87,000 new employees here in uh, the United States to the IRS, if you didn't know that. So and some of them are armed. But there's not an IRS agent in the world that's sitting in their office biting their fingernails hoping you don't pay their, your taxes. They don't care. They just know what they're going to do if you don't pay your taxes. They show up to enforce. They show up, right, if you don't do what you said you were going to do, they're going to show up and, and start, there's going to be consequences. And I'm, I'm finding in my life when I made really, really bad decisions, the consequences hit pretty fast. It's this whole reaping what you sow. It's, it's let me read it to you in the New Testament. Galatians 6, don't be misled. God is, is it can't be mocked. He's, he's a God of justice that we're going we're gonna to harvest what we plant. And a lot of times I think when we, when we make poor decisions, I know when I made a lot of poor decisions, God bless my mom who's not here, um, but uh, I put her through a lot. And I'll never forget my mom showing up, you know, in middle school when I got suspended for fighting and I couldn't go back to that school for a week and it just happened to be the resource officer's son. It wasn't my fault, all right? He was picking on me for weeks and finally had enough. And, um, and so, I, you know, I got some people together and we jumped him. And, um, <laughs> and, uh, and so I'm sitting in the principal's office at Hobbs Middle School, like one more suspension away from never being allowed back to that school. And I ended up getting kicked out and had to go to Avalon to finish up eighth grade. But uh, my mom walked in and... She, she wasn't mad. You know, I mean, she believed me, unfortunately. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, no, I told her. It wasn't my fault, Mom, I promise. But, but, but the consequences were enough. It, it was, you know, I felt like, I don't know, just bad. I mean, I, knew, I, mean, I didn't want to do it. It just kind of happened. And, and life has a way of, of, of steamrolling us sometimes. And I think as parents, what we don't want to do is, is lose our children in the process. We want to keep that connection with them. And I thought my mom was going to be so mad. You know, I thought I was going to be doing chores all week, you know, and, and, and I don't know. I just, to me, it wasn't what I expected. My mom reached out with grace and with love, and I'll never forget that. And, and it really did change my, I, I, you know, I, I didn't get suspended again, I could say that. You know, I got, I got in trouble, but I was so thankful in that moment. And I, I think that for me, I have to constantly work on that with, with, with my son. That I, I want to be kind of the, the police officer in some aspects. And there's got to be consequences. But, but God kind of naturally put it in the world that we live in. Well, why did he do that? I, I think consequences produce ownership. And ownership produ produces responsibility. And so that's what God was doing with Adam and Eve. 
I don't think he wanted them to die. I don't think he wanted judgment to happen in the garden. I don't think he wanted to have to banish them out of this paradise, but he wanted to teach them responsibility. He wanted to teach them ownership. And so they ate of the tree. The consequences hit immediately. And then this is what God did. Verse 22, Genesis 3. God said, the man has now become like one of us. He knows good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand to take also from the tree of life and live forever in that fallen state. So the Lord banished them from the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. So there was consequences for their actions. They ate the apple, wasn't good. And so this is what God does out of a loving heart. He puts up constraints. He says, okay, you like this tree. It's, it's tempting you. Maybe he underestimated the enemy. I don't know. But a loving God, out, out of a heart of love, it wasn't Adam and Eve, I don't trust you anymore, and you're not allowed back in here. It was Adam and Eve, I don't trust this enemy that's been unleashed in the earth, unfortunately. And he's slithering in and he's taking freedom from you. And he's causing you to do things that are unhealthy. And he's causing you to do things that, that are not in your character, not the way I created you. And so I'm going to put up some healthy constraints. And, and I think that that's a good thing. That, I think that that's a, as, out of a loving heart as parents, when we see that there's an enemy coming in and robbing life from our children, we want to put up constraints. Right? We want to put up healthy boundaries. We want to put up fences. We put up fences around the things that we love. And it's not to keep them in. <laughs> it's not a prison. It's to keep the bad stuff out. And so the constraints are all going to be, you know, depending on what kind of enemy you're trying to keep out. Right? Because I think maybe some children need a little taller fences. I had barbed wire around my fence. I had, a, I had surveillance around my fence, and I still got out, Can I say? You know, and, and it still got in. But, but it was good. Like, we need these healthy constraints, these, and we want to help our children that way, not as, hey, we're punishing you because you're bad. It's, no, there's a real enemy in this world, and he wants to steal, kill, and destroy from you every day. And I want to protect you from where you can go on your phone because it's not good to go there. And I want to protect you from predators because they're out there. And they are going to use phones and apps and different things to try to get in your life and build a relationship with you. And they have bad intentions. I, I want to protect you from these things because I know me and I know how the enemy has gotten to me. And so I'm going to put this fence up to keep the snakes and the wolves and the bears and the lions and tigers and all that stuff out to try to keep you safe as long as I can. And that's what God did for his first kids. And it wasn't out of this punishment like you know, they, they weren't at the county prison. It wasn't like that. It was, he knew the enemy and how crafty this enemy had became. And so he wanted to protect his children. He wanted to protect his children. And as parents, that's, I don't know, I think that's maybe our number one responsibility. As they're growing and as they're developing. And, and we got to know, I think we got to be informed on what's out there. And um, we have a one pager for you to take that our youth director put together that's got some apps on there and different things to be aware of. Um, you know, phones are great. They're awesome until they're not. And, and so, you know, I think some, some teenagers struggle with phones and different things that are, they have access to. And so uh, we got some resources for you to help you with that. But healthy constraints are good. Healthy boundaries are good. 
I had a friend in high school that um, he was a Muslim. It was before I was a Christian, and I used to go to his house, and, and, uh, and, and we'd hang out. And it was weird. Like, I didn't quite understand Islam or anything about Islam. And I remember his parents, like, you know, they would sacrifice, send money to, to the Middle East. To, to, they still did animal sacrifices and things as part of their religion. And then in, as, as we, when we were still close friends, I became a Christian my senior year of high school. I still went to his house. He had the Koran. I had the Bible. And, and so he, he was telling me about his religion, and I was telling him about my religion, and he started reading the Bible. And I'll never forget this question he asked me. He said, I, I, I've read your Bible. He was way smarter than me. This dude's like a software engineer now. Genius. He says, I've read, I've read, I'm reading your Bible, and is it the same God in the Old Testament as the New Testament? Because the God in the Old Testament is mean. Like, like, if you messed up, he showed up hard and heavy. The swift wrath of God came down in the Old Testament. And he said, and, now, and then I'm reading your, what you call the New Testament, and it's God is love. I didn't know what to say. I still kind of don't know what to say. But I, I think in the Old Testament, it was an outside-in type of religion. That, that God, that, that the rules were all external. It was outside focused. It was the Ten Commandments. There's 613 commandments in the Old Testament, like crazy stuff. You couldn't wear certain clothes made out of different garments, certain you know, diets, things that you could eat, things that you couldn't eat. It was an outside-in focus. They were very religious. They were very, you know, they, were, they knew these, these laws and these commandments, and, and that was God's approach, I think, in the Old Testament. Well, the New Testament's a little different. God says this, Hebrews 10, this is this new covenant I'm making with you. Says the Lord, I'm going to put my laws in your heart. I'm going to write them in your minds. That wasn't so 6,000 years ago. They had the law. That's all they had. But now we have this thing called like a conscience. And we have the Holy Spirit. And I think when it comes to constraints, one of the greatest things I can do to help my children walk this life in freedom is to listen to that voice. Not to be that voice, because I'm not always going to be there with him or her, right? I'm not always going to be on the job or at the school or at the party or in class when these decisions come up in their life. I'm not going to be able to, you're, there's no way to constrain everything bad and protect your kid from everything. Eventually they're going to find it. But what you can do and what I'm trying to do is help my child, help Asa listen to that still small voice that's in his life that says, this is the way, walk in it. That's always there. That before I was a Christian, I, I remember it. I remember walking into houses and getting a warning. You need to go. Walking into parties, and I knew you need to go. And then the cop showed up. I was like, praise God. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, this is right now. So, like, but but the, the Holy Spirit will warn you. And so how do we help our kids listen to that voice, to recognize that voice, to know that there's no junior Holy Spirit? They have the same Holy Spirit that you have and that I have, and he's speaking to them, and he's leading them, and he's guiding them, and there's no way that I can be there through every step of the process. 
but I can help him listen early and trust that his gut, trust that instinct, trust that, that, that true north that God has put in every single human being. So God put up constraints, and this is, a, this is my last point, and we're going to pray. Well, you know, everybody knows the story. It didn't go well. They ate the tree. They fell. There was a curse. Satan got a little more power. Adam and Eve were kicked out of paradise. They couldn't be hippies anymore running around barefoot. They, they hid themselves, right? They, they took some fig leaves, and they, they, they felt shame for the first time. That's the result of sin, shame. They realized they were naked all of a sudden. They realized that, oh, I don't measure up here. Something's wrong with me. They became self-aware, self-conscious of their imperfections like every person does when they hit that adolescent period. And so they hid from God. They ran the other way. God's gonna be mad. And I want you to see what God does. It's so beautiful to me. This is, the first, this is the first gospel scripture. This is the first mention of Jesus in scripture. It says that Genesis 3, that God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife. And he clothed them. This is the first animal sacrifice in the Bible. That's the first mention of the, the, that Old Testament covenant of, that all began in that moment. But I want you to see the heart behind God and what he did and, and, and what this means. This was God's bottom line. And I think as a parent, we have to have a bottom line. What, what is my bottom line? Now, at what point, you know, what, what, at what, what is this? I mean, you can do whatever you want to do with whoever. You can go crazy wild. This is my bottom line. This was God's bottom line. God didn't want to let anything come between him and his children. And when that serpent came in and the fall happened and they put on leaves that had to be uncomfortable, God said, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take care of you. I'm going to give you something comfortable to wear. I'm gonna cover up the shame and the pain and the places where you feel like you don't measure up and the places where you feel, you're feeling guilt. It was a first picture that we have of sacrificial love because something had to die in order for them to live. And that's the heart of God for you. And I think that's, that's the heart of God for every parent. If, if, what is my bottom line? My bottom line is this, I don't care what you do or where you go, or who you do it with, I'm gonna love you no matter what. I'm not gonna let anything come between me and you because God's concern was not about behavior change and God's concern was not to try to get them act, to act right. He just wanted that heart-to-heart -heart connection. He missed his walks. Came down in the garden, hey, where y'all at? That was his bottom line. And I, I know I'm, I'm a rookie and I have a six-year-old, and so I, and I, but I've, I've sat with parents where their kids have left home and they're gone, just disappeared. I've done some really, really painful things, really hard things that, that are hard to forgive, that are, I mean, that no parent should go through. And, and what's gonna be your bottom line? 
It's a, I still love you, son. <laughs> That's what God was saying. I still have a plan for you. I know you messed up. I know you made some mistakes. There's probably going to be some consequences. But I love you. I want you to just do this for a moment. Just bow your head, close your eyes. And maybe you're here this morning and you feel kind of distant from God. And you feel like maybe he's mad at you. Or maybe somebody told you that. But I think the story of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation is a love story. And it's the story of a God who loves his creation and loves his children and has done everything that he can possibly do in his power to keep that connection. And he doesn't want a role-based relationship with you. He wants a love-based relationship with you. And so I want to ask you the same question that God asked his first children this morning. Where are you? Where are you this morning? I mean, really, how are you doing? Are you feeling discouraged? Are you feeling depressed? Where, where are you? Do you feel distant from God today? Do you feel like you've made so many mistakes that there's no coming back to him? Where are you? And I want you to know, no matter where you are, God is waiting with open arms to love you, to encourage you, to embrace you, to bring healing to your life, to bring healing to your family, to bring healing to the areas of your life that you're maybe hiding right now. And so Holy Spirit, we asked that you would move in the hidden places of our heart where we're hiding from you. Search our heart. Lord, bring us back to that heart-to-heart -heart connection with you. Bring us back to that place of relationship today. It's never been about rules. It's never been about attending or checking a box. It's always just been about your heart. God wants your heart. So Lord, we ask that you would draw us closer to you today. Remove any barrier that may be in the way. Lord, we just believe you moved heaven and earth to give us this opportunity to know you. And so if you're here and you're saying, I, I, I feel far from God and I wanna be back, I wanna be back close to him, just slip your hand up, I wanna pray for you. Just slip your hand up, I wanna be back close. God bless you, thank you. I wanna be back close to him, I'm hiding. I'm hiding, I'm running, I wanna be back close, thank you. Thank you, Lord, I pray for every person, every hand that went up. Lord, draw them closer right now. God, let your Holy Spirit, your healing balm, God, work in their heart and in their life. God, we thank you so much for your son that you sent him so that we could come to you boldly, forgiven, redeemed, and restored. And we just give you all the praise in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen.